Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is it. The PGA Championship DFS Preview. Greg Ducharme joining me as he always does. Greg, it is our one and only major championship this season. I cannot wait. It's special. You know, it's our, our first year with the First Cut Podcast, and it's been the most unique year imaginable. And <laughs> yeah. here we are, and it's August 3rd today, and uh, – we haven't had a major championship yet. This is our first one of the year. I, I can't, it's so special. This is like a, an extremely unique uh, event, right? And, and for so many different reasons, it's, it's hard for me to even put it into words. And then, you know, the PGA is a special one for me. A lot of people consider it to be the fourth major championship. Um, and it may be, but, you know, I'm, I'm a PGA professional and it's a really special one. You know, it's our national championship. So it, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm even extra excited for this week. Well, if you are extra excited, you can watch us on YouTube. We are on YouTube. It's a First Cut Pod. Check us out there. It's First Cut Pod on Twitter and Instagram for all the goodies. Greg, there are 95 of the top 100 players in the world in this field, every single one in the top 36. So what you knew about strong fields in the restart, uh, this is to an entirely different level. This is We've been calling everything major championship-like fields. This actually is a major championship field. And if you look at major championship fields, real in, in a normal year, the PGA championship is quite often the strongest of them all. Um, you do have 20 club professionals. You have all, all professional golfers in the event. There's no amateurs playing. But uh, you, you end up with not only the top 36, but you end up with a really deep field. Last year, it was the strongest. It was stronger than even the players' championship. So we get an extremely strong field again. We've been kind of growing used to that over the past couple of, of weeks um, through the restart. And this week, it's you know even better. I mean, the top 36 players. Come on. What, what's better than that? Uh the top 37. No, nothing is better than that. It's an awesome star-packed field. That one guy, it's uh, it's Frankie Molinari. He's the he's the I don't know if you call it the highest ranked or the lowest ranked guy. He's the best ranked guy that's not in the field. Yeah, what is that, highest or and lowest? we miss him. I mean, I, I actually, I mean, he really is missed this week. He hasn't been playing great, um, you know, before the restart. We obviously haven't seen him since everything got back to going. But Francesco Molinari is a guy whose game, his his thumbprint kind of fits the golf course like this. So he's definitely missed. Um, but everybody, with everybody else in there, I think we kind of can make up for his absence. TPC Harding Park is the course that we will see this week. You may remember it from 2015. Rory McIlroy won the WGC match play there. He beat Gary Woodland in 
the final. The other final four competitors were Danny Willett and Jim Furyk. Uh, and also, this is where Tiger Woods beat John Daly in a playoff 2005 WGC American Express Championship. But Greg, from what I understand, you got a little uh, you got a little course intel you'd like to share with us. Yeah, this morning on a new breed of golf, um, Michael and I had Almar Valenzuela on, who's the superintendent there at Harding Park, and we got to discuss the golf course. And not only is he a great guy, uh, and and he's really excited. He's a golfer. He really gets it. So it was great to hear some of his insights. But a couple of the key notes: one, they have added some length to the golf course. There are a number of new tees. Uh, on the golf course, but they're not necessarily designed to make it play longer. They're designed to change the angles. So they brought some fairway bunkers into play and something that Mark has alluded to, and you can definitely notice if you look at a course map, there's a lot of dog legs and almost every hole with the exception of one non-par three hole, they all have movement and they're about even right to left and left to right. Uh, Some are more gradual than others, but there's definitely a lot of movement to the golf course. And those angles, uh, they they definitely put a premium on driving to the golf ball. Now, we have rough. Everybody's been talking about the thick rough. Basically, for a couple of months now, the videos you've been seeing about Harding Park have been really, really thick, lush rough. And you're going to have that again. It's only about three to four inches deep, which isn't as deep as it'll be at Wingfoot for the U.S. Open, where you're going to see five to six inch rough. This is three to four inch rough, but it's all you can handle. It's extremely thick, uh, and they're looking to keep it somewhat uniform uh, throughout the entire piece of the property. So um, there is definitely going to be a premium on driving to the golf ball. Not only did they make the angles a little more difficult, Rick, but they they also narrowed up the fairways. They're about 60% of their normal width. There are some areas where the fairways are narrower than 20 yards, but you're going to get a lot of fairways that are about 20 to 25 yards in width. So it's going to be a stern test off the tee. And, and like uh, Torrey Pines, this is a city-owned course, right? It's a muni. That's exactly right. Uh, it's owned by the city of San Francisco. Um, and San Francisco brings some interesting factors. One of them is the weather, and that's really the primary factor. And so when you're judging a course for weather, one is temperature, right? One factor is kind of humidity, wind, but the wind direction is very important. And what Almar shared with us this morning is that the wind direction, the primary wind kind of comes out of the west, and you may get a little west-northwest, you may get a little south Um, southwest, but it's basically coming off of the Pacific Ocean, west to east. And when the wind is in that direction, from holes 13 to 17, they play basically straight into the wind. And then you turn to 18, and now the wind's at your back. But the challenge with 18 is it's, it's an angled, it's another one of those holes that has movement to the left. So the hole goes from right to left with significant amount of movement, and you really have to choose your line off the tee. And now all of a sudden, you've been playing all these holes into the wind. The air is thick. Uh, there, it's, the ball isn't going very far. And all of a sudden, you get downwind, and you have to choose the proper line uh, to give yourself an angle. And if you come up short, if you miss left, you're blocked out by some trees in thick rough to an elevated green. And if you take a line that's too conservative, you can get through into plenty of other trouble on the right-hand side. So choosing a line off the tee on on 18 is especially difficult. And from what I understand, as of a few years ago, these greens are now bent grass. So they used to be Poana. I believe they ripped that up. Oh man, probably six years ago at this point. And now they're bent grass that I'm, I'm correct on that, right? 
Yeah, and I'm interested to see. I mean, if you here in the Northeast, there is a lot of bent grass, but with bent grass, often poana often creeps in. So I'll be very interested to see how they've done keeping bent out. Personally, I, I think po if it uh, poana if it's maintained properly can be one of the best putting surfaces out there, especially with the, the modern technologies, modern agronomy. Um, but bent grass is always a great surface. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how the bent holds up in California because I, I mean. Quite frankly, I've never really seen a golf course out there play with that kind of grass on the green. So that's definitely another interesting factor. Yeah, our only major championship of the year, and it'll see. We'll be interested to see how this plays out in summertime. If you want to save money this summer, why not start by paying less interest on your credit card balances? Refinance with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. It's an easy way to save hundreds to thousands of dollars and lower your interest rate. Get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Here's a testimonial from one Lightstream user that left this glowing review. It says, quote, I heard about Lightstream on a podcast and was able to look on the website and get clear information. The application process was quick and easy and our listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. But the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash cut. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash cut. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash cut for more information. Greg Ducharme, the top of the draft Kings player pool, over $10,000. There are six golfers here. Justin Thomas, the new, new Number one player in the world is 11,300. Brooks Kepka going for a three-peat, 11,001. Rory McIlroy, weird to see him, is now the number three player in the world. 10,700. John Rahm, 10,005. Bryson DeChambeau, 10,3. And our buddy Xander checking in at an even $10,000. Let's start with this. It's major pricing, Greg. Everything is softer. Right. I mean, even the guys at the top, you usually see someone 11, seven, 11, eight, as we go further down the board, like, like you're going to be able to put together a one, one bop of a lineup. And you have your choice. That's the beauty of this. Like all of these players are eligible to win a major, right? They all have the game to do it. And it wouldn't surprise you if any of these players, I mean, from Justin Thomas all the way down to Xander Shoffley, it wouldn't surprise you if any of them won the PGA. Beauty of it is, I mean, you got to pick the guy who does. So it's definitely a challenge, um, but it offers you a lot of flexibility in your lineup. And I don't know about you, Rick, but I feel like that gives, it provides a great opportunity to have a unique lineup, even with some stars in the game. Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just so many. We, we said it, 95 of the top 100. I, I mean, there, there's plenty of golfers to go around. So when I look at at least the top of the board, I'm kind of drawn to the the two ends of it, Greg. You know, for me, I, I think I want Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka near the top. I think I want Xander Shoffley near the bottom. I mean, as far as JT goes, and we've talked about this a lot, his game is so complete right now. Now, I don't know if he was kind of joking. He did say, I saw a quote on Twitter. I think EPAC Golf had this where uh, he, JT said, oh, I looked at the yardage book for TPC Harding Park. There's a lot of 
uh, dog leg lefts. And you know, he likes to hit that like cut and that fade. So he said he better figure out how to hit a draw in the next couple of days, which I think he's joking. He has like every shot in his bag, but uh, he, he's so darn complete right now. It's just hard to think that he does not go out and, and do something right. I mean, he's just, he's so good. Yeah, he really is. And and on that note on the golf course, it, there are dogleg lefts, but it's about – so my calculation, looking at the maps – now, I haven't played it. Mark has played it. But you're talking about basically six um, six holes that dogleg right, six holes that dogleg left, one hole that's straight, and then the, the other one is kind of – it, it doglegs a little right off the tee, and then it goes left up by the green. It's kind of a double dogleg par four. So it definitely goes both ways. Um, and, and I'm not sure that you're going to have, uh, look, I'll be fascinated to see. I'm not sure you're going to have to draw the ball to get it in play on. Like, I don't think you have to hit a, a draw on a dog leg left and a fade on a dog right. leg right at Bell Reeve. Brooks Kepka showed us that Bell Reeve definitely favored a draw when you look at a course map, but Brooks Kepka said, Hey, well, I'm going to hit my fade and I'm going to make the course accept it. And I do think there's that possibility this week, although it's probably going to be a little bit more difficult to do that. I think the fairways will be a little bit narrower, but you're right, um, Rick. Justin Thomas's game is in great form. And when you see him doing what he did with the full swing, tee to green, I mean, he said he drove the ball better than he's really ever driven the ball until the last couple of holes. And that's going to bode really well for him this week. Do you worry about him being the highest price guy? Do you think that's a fair price? And the last question is, do you think he can pull off back-to-back victories? So that's the last one's really the million dollar question, right? Because it's uh, exceedingly difficult to win back to back on tour. We, we've seen that in, in history, just because it's hard to win a golf tournament to, to do it two times in a row, especially when you have so many golfers here, it, it's incredibly difficult. I think that you kind of get a little reprieve because if this was not a major championship, I think you'd be 11,800 or 11,900 or maybe even 12,000, you know, the rare 12,000 that we see every now and then, but because it's a major, you get softer pricing. So I actually think it is kind of a unique situation to deploy him. And that doesn't mean like, like I still love Brooks here. Brooks, Brooks made 22 birdies last week, second in the field. Now he also made what? I think three doubles on the card last week. Uh, he, he's showing us the ceiling and the ceiling is literally potentially be a back-to-back-to-back PGA Championship winner. It's to me, to me, Brooks is my favorite in this group. And yeah. there are a number of reasons. I, I've There are so many great stats about Brooks. I just I have to walk you through them because I, I think he deserves the time. He's been one of these players that has been, in my opinion, a little bit underappreciated for what he's accomplished. And in the PGA Championship, first of all, since his first start in the PGA in 2013, he hasn't finished outside the top 15. You're talking about... 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. You're talking about six years. He hasn't finished outside the top 15 and he's won twice. So it's remarkable what he's accomplished. Then add to it since 2016 in the PGA championship, he's 55 under par um, throughout a total of all of them. The next best is Jason day. Who's at uh, 46. So he's beating the next best guy by nine strokes. And then add to that, what happens when Brooks plays the week before a major? Since 2017, Brooks Kepka has won every time 
he's played the week before a major. Every time he's played, not just played well, every time he's played, he typically only plays before the U.S. Open and the PGA in, in the week before. And it's been a, a great success every time. Add to it. Um, last year at the PGA Championship, 2019, the week before he played um, at the Byron Nelson, uh, and he came in fourth. Then the very next week, he wins. In 2018, he played at Bridgestone the week before. He came in fifth. Very next week, he wins. When Brooks, he, he smells these things. He smells major championships, especially PGA championships and U.S. Opens. And he's not afraid of the moment. He relishes the moment. And his game rises to the occasion. And for that reason, I mean, to, to not bet on Brooks this week, especially after what we saw last week, especially after seeing the improvements in the iron play. When he won at the PGA at Bethpage Black, he was first in strokes gain approach the green. What did he do last week? Well, he, uh, I, I think he, he led in strokes gain approach the green again last week. If he, he didn't did. lead, yeah, yeah, he was first approaching the green. So when he has the irons dialed in, he's really hard to beat. Uh, and then you add the footprint of the golf course to it, the the um, importance of driving to the golf ball. You mentioned, Rick, who's won here in the past. You have Tiger Woods with John Daly finishing second, Sergio <laughs> Garcia finishing third. You go to Rory McIlroy beating Gary Woodland in the final. These are all great drivers of the golf ball. Uh, and and driving is going to be at a, a premium this week. Brooks is an excellent driver of the ball and dialed in with the irons. I, I mean, I, I can't find a reason not to take the chance. I, I'm okay if I'm wrong and he doesn't continue the trend, but you have to bet on the trend here, in my opinion. I'll give you one more Brooks stat. So the unofficial stat of strokes gained ball striking, that is off the tee plus approach. In the last two weeks, Brooks Kepka uh, is leading – the tour in cumulative strokes gained ball striking. And what is even more remarkable about that, Greg, is he's only played six rounds because he missed the cut one week. So he, he's leading a counting stat and didn't even play all eight rounds. It's like, it's bonkers stuff. Um, so what do we do with Rory and John Rom? Because, you know, Rom was the number one player in the world. He won the Memorial. Rory, who has just been... I don't know, devastated by the restart because he hasn't been anywhere close to uh, the way we saw him play before the break. They're sitting there, and I don't know what to do with them. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I like John Rahm more than – I feel like John Rahm's game is very complete, just like Justin Thomas. Last week was an extremely unique circumstance where he's world number one for the first time. It's something that he's dreamed of accomplishing since the age of 14. The moment is huge. And in your first opportunity in that moment, um, you're, you're not always going to succeed. And it's not a bad thing to fail. So I, I look at John Rahm last week, and I think the, the quote-unquote issue, the reason he didn't contend, the reason he didn't play better, is more of the moment of being world number one and kind of realizing that dream. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. You're talking about more interviews. You're talking about a lot more time off the golf course. And you get out of your routine. And I feel like that week is kind of a, a good opportunity for him to reset. Now, his game is extremely strong. He's a great driver of the ball, very long and straight. And this is going to be a good venue for John Rahm's game. So I feel a lot higher on Rahm than I do on Rory. Rory, one of the best players in the world, right? And, and a great driver of the golf ball. But he hasn't shown me anything really he hasn't shown me anything that's going to make me say okay I'm going to take the chance on Rory he hasn't really been stringing great rounds together the putting doesn't seem to be going in the right direction so for Rory if I'm wrong because I, I could be wrong 
but I have a hard time right now taking that chance. I'd like to give you the, the biggest reason that I'm concerned about Rory. And I'm a huge Rory guy. And I, I think he can figure it out. But here's the biggest reason why I'm concerned. In his, in his 20 rounds since the tour has come back, he has gained a total, add them all up, a total of 1.8 strokes on approach. A very important stat, he's basically tour average in his last 20 rounds. To put that into perspective, the last 20 measured rounds before the break, he had gained 21 strokes on approach. So basically one per round. It's just not there. He's just not hitting his irons well enough. It's such a huge important stat in any week. Uh, and, and like that's, that's my big concern. He's basically, you know, he's a stroke per round off his pace on approach. We know Rory McIlroy can pop off and win at any point. When he figures something out with the golf swing, he can win. But this trend is, for me to bet on him in a major championship, for me to bet that the trend changes under the highest amount of pressure, is uh, I, it's almost an irresponsible bet. I mean, you're, you, there's, no, there's nothing to hang your hat on, which is my thing. I, I like to pick guys where I have something I can say, okay, he's feeling really good about this. And I haven't heard anything and I haven't seen anything that says, okay, Rory's starting to feel a lot better and his confidence is on the rise. I'm just not seeing it. So there's nothing to hang my hat on. And when you surround him with a Brooks Kepka, whose statistics I just mentioned, you surround him with a, a, even a Xander Shoffley, who's clearly trending in the right direction yeah. with his performance. Do you want to take, right? take 30 on Xander? Because I think we both really like him this week, right? Yeah, I love him. I'm a, I was a little disappointed today when the uh, prices came out and Me he was too. all the way up at 10000 Because yeah. I really thought he was going to be kind of an anchor in the high nines. Mm -hmm. So uh, they've, they've caught on, and for good reason. He was um, tied, I, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, tied 13th, uh, tied 10th, and then tied 6th this past week. He, I mean, he made two bogeys all week. He, he, was, uh, he made a bogey and a quad, I'm sorry, a quad, this, yeah. this past week. So, uh, and, and to finish tied 6th with that kind of performance – Man, he's a California kid. He's, he's from California. He's clearly swinging great. Um, he can work it both ways off the tee. He's especially comfortable with a draw. I, I, and, and he steps up for big events. So, I mean, that, that's my, my 30 seconds on Xander. It, it's no, hard it's, for me to say no. It's Yeah, I, I knew we were both in the same spot. I was a little disappointed to see him be $10,000. But, yeah, so for me, in the, in the 10K and above range, I'm looking at the top and I'm looking at the bottom. JT, Brooks, and, and Xander, and, and uh, you know, if Bryson kills me, if, if Rom kills me, if Rory kills me, I think I can survive. Interested to see how Bryson does in his first major championship, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, a great storyline. Yeah. Uh, $9,000 range. Very small. Again, Webb Simpson, 97. Patrick Cantlay, 94. Tiger Woods, 92. And Dustin Johnson, 9,000. We can start with DJ. I bet you he's one of the most popular golfers on the slate when you can plug a guy in who has the upside that DJ has at 9,000. And, and, he, and he showed us something last week, right? He, he's got that short memory. He doesn't care about the, the previous two yeah. starts. You know he can shake it off. And you're just kind of seeing how good of a player he is. Now, there are a couple concerns, which is why his price is a little lower, but this is a guy I'm, I'm willing to take a chance on for sure. Um, maybe not as strongly as I'm willing to take a chance on Brooks, but I'm pretty close to that. And, and the reason is, well, we saw an improved performance off the tee last week. We saw an improved performance approaching the green last week. He's ninth strokes gained tee to green. He's 21st off the tee. He's 13th around, uh, around the green, right? 13th around the green. The wet, when the wedges are good for DJ, it's really good. But 
he plays hard golf courses really well. And when driving is a prerequisite, like it was last week at Beth Page, like it has been at all the U.S. Opens, DJ has come really close to winning. When golf courses get tougher, DJ does better because his ball striking is so good. And, and he hits really good shots when it's hard. Now, one other thing about DJ that I like, and this is me just kind of connecting some dots here. So if you read some quotes about the golf course, you're not going to get anything out of DJ's quotes, right? He no. just says, I, I like it. It's in good shape. Or he Rory, says like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> so it, it's actually quite entertaining to read. Yeah. Beside the point. Rory talked about how the big cypress trees, they, they paint a picture for you off the tee and they shape the hole. And for Dustin Johnson, uh, he has said previously, I prefer tree line golf courses because it kind of, it shapes it for me. It tells mm. me where I need to hit it. And I just kind of, he's a reactionary player, right? He's going to see a target. He's going to see a shot. He's going to hit it. And it's not going to take him a lot of time. And when the, those big trees that frame the fairways kind of shape it around, I feel like he's going to have a great week tee to green. Uh, and I think DJ is going to be really hard to beat. I agree. Uh, we'll talk about Tiger in a second, but Patrick Cantlay, who was very popular last week, played himself out of the golf tournament on Thursday and Friday. I think he was five over through the first two rounds. And then, oh, by the way, flips the switch on the weekend and has the fifth best score if you only look at Saturday and Sunday. So I don't know what there is to take from that. I, I like looking at that guys that get a little bit of momentum. Um, you know, he, he rebounds from it. He, maybe he found a little bit of something, but he was, I mean, he was awesome. He was awesome on the weekend. He gained four strokes on approach just on the weekend. And we know he's kind of a, I don't want to call him a big game hunter, but like what he won the Memorial. He can, he can win big events at tough courses. His game is so well-rounded. I mean, it really, it, it, he's not quite at the level of a, JT and and he may never get to that level but he and Xander Shoffley they seem to be right on the verge of being ready to break through and win a major championship their games are that well-rounded and that complete so I like Patrick Cantlay this week I like Patrick Cantlay just about every week it's very hard for me to find a reason not to go with Patrick Cantlay unless you're talking about a course with where he has extremely poor uh, course history, which I, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. So Cantlay to me is always a good play. And to add to that, he's a California kid, right? He's he's from uh, the he, look. He's from Southern California, but he's basically this is this feels like a Patrick Cantlay kind of week. So Xander Cantlay, I love Xander and I love Cantlay for this week. Cantlay gives you a nice discount. I, I, look, I think he's a great play. What do we do? with Tiger Woods, <laughs> who's $9,200. He is, uh, it's obviously a major championship. There's going to be a lot of people playing. There's going to be a lot of people who want to click Tiger's name. He was excellent on approach at the Memorial. He putted terribly. We know that it's a, a, a rest versus reps situation for Tiger Woods. And when you put all of that in the pot and you stir it around, I still don't know what to do. So again, with my conversation with Almar this morning, uh, he talked about how in the mornings, it's really, it's cold. You're talking about mid fifties. You're talking about a thick air, a heavy air uh, that's going to be rolling in and everybody's going to have to deal with that at least one morning. So for me, Tiger's a fade for a couple reasons. One, what is cold weather? Well, it doesn't mean that he can't compete in cold weather. That's not what it means. It just increases the likelihood that he's not going to be feeling very well. It increases the likelihood that he's going to be feeling a little bit stiff. 
And with all these other players, like Webb Simpson, who we haven't even talked about, in this 9K range, everyone to me is like a total buy except for Tiger. And the question marks for Tiger are too big, unfortunately. And even though I think the price is somewhat fair on him, um, he's probably going to be very popular. And I don't really have any confidence. It's the same thing with Rory. Like, what are you hanging your hat on? Great iron play? Well, he always has great iron play. So it's not like anything is really improving. And he doesn't have the reps. So I, there are a lot of question marks for him. And, of course, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he wins and I don't play him in any lineups. I, I really hope that happens. But I'm, it's not going to. I'm a big stack guy. Uh, but sometimes I just am like, I'm just not going to play Tiger. And if he wins this thing, I will still be happy. It's like a life hedge, right? Which is like, okay, I, I won't make any money if Tiger wins, but I'll be very happy if Tiger wins the golf tournament. Yeah, you're, it's like paying for entertainment. And I'm happy to pay for that entertainment. But what I'm not going to do is double down on the depression, right? I mean, yeah. you're talking about uh, betting on Tiger or putting him in your fantasy lineup and him not performing well and missing a cut and now your lineups are ruined and you're disappointed because you don't get to watch tiger so you're right life hedge is a great way to put it i am um i think i think i was already kind of leaning towards at least being underweight on tiger right get him in a couple of lineups but like you know just in case i'm not gonna have a lot of exposure to him but then you look at the yeah, man, the, the early morning thing, I mean, that's a real thing. It's it's going to be, like, chilly. Like, it, it's going to be chilly, and they're coming from – I mean, I don't know what the average temperature on tour has been since the restart or whatever. Like but 95? Like, yeah, like, it's been hot. It's been really hot. And I think that's a better situation for Tiger than waking up for his, you know, 7.31 tea time and like I'm just I'm nervous about it. And, and not only is it going to be mid fifties, Rick, but it's a cold, damp, thick mid fifties. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it doesn't. It reminds me a lot of Paris. I feel like this event you're heading into the Ryder Cup in Paris. And it's like that marine layer that like everything kind of just feels wet. And it's just like I'm I'm like you know he's always dry trying to dry off his grips and all that stuff. So it's it's tough. Um. All right, Greg, here's what we're going to do. I want to jump into the 8K range, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. And we're back. Greg, $4,000 this week in the props game. The biggest prize we've had this season. So you know 
It's a major championship, and there's no need to put your own money at stake. Just go to cbssports.com slash golf props to play. A link is in the description, so you have no excuse. Absolutely zero excuse. There is a full tournament game. Those props are already live, and we'll have a Sunday round showdown. Got a tournament-long prop for you for here. Wow, here for you, Greg. Here it is. Which which international player will have the best finishing position with your options being Hideki Matsuyama, Tommy Fleetwood, or Justin Rose? This is a a great question, by the way. Thank Um, you. But I I think the guy for me is Tommy Fleetwood. I still have big question marks about Justin Rose um, and Hideki and these majors. Sometimes I just question what he does on the greens a little bit too much. Now, Tommy Fleetwood has his questions of his own, no doubt. But playing the last two weeks, I feel like he's sort of rounding into form. And I feel like what this golf course asks for and demands is Tommy Fleetwood's strength. It's a hard golf course in not great weather where driving to the golf ball is a premium. And I think this has, uh, Tommy Fleetwood would be, I'm not sure I'm going to play him. I'm not sure he's going to be a winner this week, but I think he can beat uh, a struggling Justin Rose, at least last we've, see, uh, last we've seen, and a Hideki Matsuyama with plenty of question marks. I, I definitely narrowed it down to Tommy or Hideki, just kind of right off the top. Um, I could probably make the case for either, but I do, I, I probably lean Tommy Fleetwood as well. And and I know this is a really bad argument, but what I've seen from him over his last six rounds is essentially when he's in position, he's awesome, which I know is like most guys, but I feel like every time he's in the middle of the fairway, he's throwing darts. Um, He struggles a lot when he gets out of position as a lot of guys do, but remember he's only played six rounds in the restart. So I kind of have been keeping a close eye on him to see if he's just knocking rust off to see if he's you know because those awkward situations that you get into on tour you're you're not replicating those in the hamptons or anything like that right i mean they're yeah they're they're tough spots so i've been keeping a close eye on tommy fleetwood i like what i see the majority of the time it feels like things are starting to click i'll i'll probably go with tommy fleetwood as well yeah i, I think he's worth the risk i mean he yeah i i think we can leave it at that he's worth it He's worth it. $8,000 range. Daniel Berger, who, by the way, Daniel Berger in his last four starts has a first, a second, and a third, which is unbelievable. He headlines this $8,000 range. Uh, Colin Morikawa is here. Victor Hovland is here. It goes down to the flat 8000 of Patrick Reed and Terrell Hatton, who Hatton is what? $2,000 cheaper than he was last week, something like that. So there, there's a lot to digest here, Greg. What, what do you see in this range? I see uh, one guy jumps off the page of me. And then there are a couple of guys in here that I think are, are really good buys. Like Daniel Berger, to me, I wonder, I still am in this place where I wonder if this is really, can this be true? I know he's good. I know how good he is. And I, I believe Daniel Berger, when he's healthy, is a tour championship qualifier all day long. But he's right now in a position to be a player of the year, right? If he wins this week, there'd be a real interesting debate between JT with three wins and Daniel Berger with two wins, one of them being a major. It would be a real debate. So that's just how good he's played. And the stats have been great. Everything has been great, especially the putting. I mean, he entered last week 13th in strokes game putting and is one of those guys who's positive in every strokes gain category, as you quite often point out, Rick. So he jumps off of me. But the guy right... The guy right below him, Colin Morikawa, 
Mm. Is he ready? Is he ready? Is his game ready to perform uh, in the biggest moments on the biggest stages? And I believe it is. His swing has shown time and time again it can weather the storm. He, he has shown with his swing that it uh, that it, it's durable. It lasts and it lasts seventy two or more holes. So I I, I feel extremely confident with Callum Morikawa, uh, especially being a California kid. This is Morikawa and Hovland's both their first. It's not their first major. It's their first PGA Championship, right? Because they played U.S. Opens, I believe. Or, and Hovland played the Masters. That's right. Uh, Hovland was actually low-am in the Masters and the right. U.S. Open. Right. So this is just their first PGA Championship each. Correct. Okay. Um, how about Jason Day at 8,400, who now, I cannot believe these words are coming out of my mouth, in 2020, three consecutive top 10 finishes on tour. He has not done that on the PGA Tour since 2016 so it is hard to argue that he is in one of the best runs he's been in in recent memory and a lot of it has to do with his approach game so if you go back his last four starts he has gained strokes on approach and getting better every single week the four weeks before that, he lost at least two strokes on approach every single week. So he's clearly finding something with his irons. And that is, to me, kind of the thing that unlocks Jason Day because the rest of his game, you know, the, the, the off the tee stuff, he's, he's usually, usually, he's better than most often. Like, like he's good most of the time. And then we know he has a great short game. So the, to me, it's the irons that unlock everything and he's starting to figure them out, Greg. So this morning on Course Record uh, on CBS Sports Network, Michael Breed and I played a game called Yeah But. And there would basically be like, I would give all those statistics I gave earlier about Brooks Kepka, and Michael would say, yeah, but these are the, re these are the concerns. And so it was a fun game. Anyway, with, with Jason Day, all those things, the, the iron play has definitely improved. And it's really, it, it's a real positive. But the problem is the, the change in weather. And again, it's the same situation as it is with Tiger Woods. It just simply, it, it raises the chances that Jason Day isn't going to be feeling well. And it's a risk to play him. There are plenty of reasons to play him. His game has been in great form. PGA Championships, he's had great success. Not only did he win one in 2015, but as I said, I mean, he's 44 under since 2016 in PGA Championships. So he's done very, very well in PGAs. And there's no, the only reason to say he won't this week is your fear of injury. And with the change in weather going from that 90, you know, 80, 90 degree humid weather in Memphis to free, a freezing cold morning at 55 degrees in thick fog, that is a big change. And it's not good for players with bad backs. And that's my biggest concern. The, the yeah, but for Jason Day is, yeah, but he might bend down and pick up a T-Rong. Like, it's like, that's the concern is he looks like he, it looks like he's going to fall apart every time he picks his ball out of the cup. Yeah, and I'm such a big fan, so I, I feel bad for him in that sense. But unfortunately, when you're building your lineups here and you can play a Colin Morikawa or a Tyrrell Hatton or a Matthew Fitzpatrick who's been playing great golf, it's really hard to, uh, to put Jason Day in there for me. I have been so wrong on Matthew Fitzpatrick. I, I still think it's unsustainable. I still think he's putting at a rate that is too good to continue, but like he is continuing to post results. I think he likes worse. Like I think he plays better in kind of tougher conditions. So I've been very wrong on Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm happy to continue to be wrong. Um, what are we doing? I mean, okay. So let's have the rookie Fowler conversation. He's 8,300. Um, 
the, the kind of the, the way that I lean is what we talked about, I believe on, I guess it would have been Sunday evening where there's just this part of Ricky's game that he might not be comfortable with completely yet going through these swing changes and it shows itself a lot under pressure. And the problem with major championships is you're under pressure from tee shot number one. And I think that concerns me. Um, at what point, if you're going to have Ricky Fowler on your team, at what point are you confident that he's going to give you a good finish? Like when, when, how late do you have to wait? I mean, it's going to be midnight on Sunday before you realize that Ricky actually paid, <laughs> paid for himself. So that, that's the concern yeah. for me. It's just the emotional factor of watching this guy. The, is it, it's a real concern for me. It's a real challenge. So I, I'm not real high on Ricky. I don't believe the, the problem is the golf swing. You'll hear reports that are true that a golf swing's coming along and John Tillery is great and Ricky is an extremely talented player. But I just, I have pressure. Uh, Paul Azinger says this all the time pressure can build diamonds and it can burst pipes. And yeah. with Ricky, it tends to burst the pipe more than it builds the diamond. And, you know, it has, it, it has created a diamond before at the Players Championship, at the Wells Fargo, where he beat. That's, I mean, these events are a long time ago. And I just feel like for Ricky, the, the pressure right now is something that he's going to have to work really hard to overcome. Is there anybody else here in the 8,000 that we should talk about before I jump down to the sevens? Well, Tyrrell Hatton to me is interesting. You mentioned how big that fall off is in the price. Yeah. And look, he had a bad tournament. It's his first bad tournament in a very, very, very long time. And, you know, being an English guy, being a guy who had some success at the Ryder Cup in Paris, being a guy who has won on the European tour at like, I, I think of him winning at the Dunhill links, wearing a, a, a winter hat. I, I feel like he's comfortable in this kind of weather and, and the statistics, do you, do you think this is, I guess a question? Cause they've been great, right? He's first in strokes gain total uh, entered yeah. last week. Anyway, first in strokes gain total second in strokes gain putting third uh, approaching the green. Like the list goes on and on. They're as good as it gets. The finishes backed it up. Was last week a, an anomaly or was last week a, um, kind of uh, uh, something that was going to balance it out at some point anyway? I think it can be both, right? I mean, he was gaining like three strokes per round. That was never going to happen. He's not, he's not early 2000s Tiger Woods. The, 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 the regression was coming, okay? So, so I think that, but what we might have gotten, Greg, is like all of the regression at once instead of him just like finishing 22nd uh, and then 30th and then 15th and then his numbers slowly come down and he ends up gaining you know a shot and a half per round like where we'd expect him to be uh, we might have just all gotten it at once and it could have been it could have been a little bit of both where it was regression but also a really bad outlier round for him so I, I I'm much more comfortable buying back into Terrell Hatton than I would be avoiding him completely because of what we've seen in the last year. I mean, he's won yeah. multiple times. He's contended uh, seemingly every single time he's teed up, no matter where he is in the world. He goes out and he finishes, what, 69th at the WGC? Yeah, a lot of guys finish. Like John, did he beat John Rahm? Like he might have beaten John Rahm, who's like the number one player in the world. So I'm. Well, I, I don't think so. I, I think he shot like seven over. Which is why you see this price range go all the way down to eight thousand. But yeah. I think it's a great point. Like that's why you buy back. This is a this is a great opportunity to buy low. You're buying low because of one tournament. And what what if he just didn't like the golf course? He seems like a guy that has a pretty short term memory, it, which is unique because his temper tends to ride a little bit high. But it's almost like he can let all that out in one moment and be done with it. And yeah, you and know what he survive does. it. 
he just shoots his uh, putter shotgun <laughs> at it, and then it's over. He doesn't have to worry about it ever again. It's great. Uh, Seven thousand dollar range, Greg. Uh, I I think this is actually first of all the thing I noticed, uh, especially on DraftKings here, the seven thousand dollar range and the six thousand dollar range is like, I'm not even sure I'm exaggerating. Seventy five percent of the field, it, it, there are so Huge. many guys, um, and there's a lot of guys. So with that being said, there's a lot of guys in the seven thousand dollar range that I like. Is there is there a couple that stand out to you? Uh, well, there's a lot of guys in these ranges that stand out to me. Um, are they positive or not is the real question. Like Tony Fino has been playing great. He's been driving the ball. Well, I, I guess his iron play has really been the thing that's carrying him. But I, again, like Ricky Fowler, at what point are you going to feel confident that Tony Fino is going to put together a really good week? Gary Woodland has been a runner up here uh, in the match play, lost to Rory McIlroy. Hasn't really shown us a whole lot lately. So there's a question mark about him. Adam Scott, the game you would think is going to suit it perfectly, but players aside from the general population like Daniel Berger and everybody who came back at the Charles Schwab when Tiger Woods comes back when Tommy Fleetwood comes back Adam Scott I kind of put in this category where to come back in your first week in a PGA and contend would be extremely impressive so I pass on him Jordan Spieth right time time stamp it there are so many question marks about him but I kind of he jumps off to me in a slightly more of a positive way um, cause this price is so low. What, what are you, where are you on Jordan? Okay. I had a good stat. Uh, I don't have it ready, but I was looking in at some of his approach numbers, uh, recently. And I, I, I hate to admit this in, in his last four events, he's been pretty good with his irons, which is the one thing yeah. that when things were really bad, I mean, the, the driver was bad cause he can spray it all over the place, but his approach game was terrible. Well now in Three of his last four events, he's gained at least two and a half strokes on approach. Like, I, I, I'm probably, and I'm not saying I'm very optimistic on Jordan Spieth, but I am probably more optimistic right now than I have been in quite some time. Now, that is still lacking a lot of confidence, Greg, but there's, there's, there's something building here. I think that's okay to say. I don't know if he's a, a guy who's just going to snap off and win a golf tournament or if we're going to see it coming, right? If we're going to see... Yeah him contend a couple of times and we're going to get back to kind of like, okay, Spieth is, you know, he's in contention. He's doing it the right way. And then he's going to win. So I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm not as nervous as I once was. I would be willing to take a risk in a couple of lineups here. I'm not going all in on Jordan. I'm not ready to really step in that sense. And I'm not ready to go all in on Jordan because uh, he's made 11 double bogeys or worse since the restart. And it comes from the same thing. So this has been my, my problem with, it, look, problem, air quotes, problem with Jordan since the restart. Like we had all this time off and there's this idea that he's going to go and improve his game, right? He's going to go and improve the ball striking, which it looks like it has for the most part, but there's still the shot that lingers and it's the shot to the right, especially off the tee, but it can happen with irons too. And he misses to the right and he misses big and he makes doubles when he does it. And that I feel like is going to happen in a PGA and you're going to get punished for it more than normal. So until Jordan can really get rid of that shot, I, I feel like even if he plays a great week and gets himself in contention, it's always going to be sitting there. And it's a lot of pressure weighing on you, especially when you're trying to become, you're basically trying to put yourself on the Mount Rushmore of golfers winning the career grand slam. So, but you're right, Rick, I do feel a lot better about him and, 
I, I love playing him. I love playing Jordan Speed. So we'll see what kind of emotional roller coaster we get this week. <laughs> As a an owner of a Sung JM 140 to 1 ticket from December at the PGA Championship, I could not be more upset about it. <laughs> he has uh yeah. I, He's been terrible. Like, let's let's be real here. Uh, he, in his last five starts, has lost a total of 13.3 strokes on approach. He has not gained in any of his last five events. It has been about as bad as you can expect. And that was even with him putting the lights out last week to get to a tie for 35th at the WGC. Like, I hope he can find something because there's nobody I root for more than Sung JM, but his game is in a really bad spot right now. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely passing on him. There's uh, maybe one other guy who the restart hurt more than Sungjae, and it's probably Rory, who would, ba- yeah. who would rival him with that. So I, I feel bad for him, and I can't wait for him to turn it around. It's going to happen at some point, but I don't think this is the week. Yeah, he'll, he'll certainly figure it out. A couple of guys I am interested in playing, I'll go through kind of quick here. Um, Ches Reeve, who very quietly now has three straight top 22 finishes. So both events at Muirfield Village, he finished 17th at the Workday, 22nd at the Memorial. Then, of course, sixth last week, and he didn't make a putt. And then he low-key, I was like, oh, I wonder what Ches has done at PGA Championships. He probably stinks because, like, he's not very long, and PGA Championships are usually kind of longer setups, and he probably is terrible. Uh, no, he's not. 22nd three years ago, 12th two years ago, 14th last year. This guy's a killer. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll roster that. He, he hits a ton of fairways. He was one of my picks last week. I was very high on him last week, um, and he played great. So when, when he's got control of his golf ball, he's really hitting it straight. He can handle big boy golf courses. The win equity is probably on the lower side, but the guy's been really solid. He's definitely, he is definitely in great form. Um, I got a guy I got to throw at you here. Sure. Well, I, I have a, there's a couple here, but one, first and foremost, Abraham answer. Is this guy ready for a major championship? Cause his game seems like it would, it would fit um, this kind of golf course where driving and accuracy are really important. I, I think Abraham answer is an absolute gamer. Like I, Me too. I, I, I do think he's right. I mean, you can see it in his face. You can, like, just look at where he competes. I mean, breaks, breaks onto the scene at the president's cup. Uh, he's great there and he hasn't he hasn't stopped like basically every wgc event every big time field since then he's on the first page of the leaderboard i i have no problem like thinking abraham answer has the game to win a uh, a major championship he's he's really solid and um you look at another one of the players positive in all the strokes gain categories for the year. Uh, and, and he's especially strong in the TD green game, but he can putt too. And that's where the gamer aspect comes into play. The part that's not in the stat sheets is his grit and determination. So um, I'm highly positive on Abraham answer this week. The other guy I got to ask you about, and I know you have a couple of guys you want to get to, but um, Sergio Garcia, he came in he's, third here in yep. 2005, long time ago, but the thumbprint, great driver of the ball. Another guy not afraid of some inclement weather. So what do you make of Sergio? So he was actually one of the ones I wanted to mention because he finished second in the field last week to only Bubba Watson and strokes gained off the tee, which you are going to need to be in position at TPC Harding Park. You're going to need to avoid the thick stuff, get your ball in play, go from there. We know he's a great ball striker. I have no problem with Sergio at 7,600. Yeah, and he's third off the tee this year um, for the totality of the season. And he was, I believe, first back in 2005 when he when he came in tied third in this event. So uh, Sergio and Answer are really my two 
um, my, my two heavy hitters in the 7K range. The only other guy, maybe I had two. No, maybe I had, maybe it was Chez, Sergio, and then the last one was Scotty Scheffler, who 22nd at the moment. So he was, he was great uh, in like the fall. Then he had a stretch of golf where he was pretty terrible and missed a bunch of cuts. Now he's starting to get back into shape. 22nd at the Memorial, 15th at the WGC. Those are his last two starts. And you know what he is? He's the guy in fantasy scoring who always outperforms his finishing position because he makes so many birdies. Now, he'll make a lot of bogeys to offset it, but if you can get four rounds of him, he usually finishes better because of his ability to, to make birdies. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like the player. He's kind of let me down a little bit in the restart, and I know we're starting to see the performance come back, but the the floor with Scotty Scheffler seems to be a little lower than we hope. I guess that's why he's priced where he is, but I, I'm still – I feel like I went in on him a little bit in the, the early restart, and he kind of let me down a little bit. So I'm, I'm a little reluctant to play Scotty Scheffler this week, but that may be just personal bias. $6,000 range. Um, I have a couple of guys here that I think are pretty mispriced to be, to be quite honest with you, Greg. Um, the first one is probably Ryan Palmer who again, again goes out and compete. This guy's unbelievable. Like, like, okay. So second at the Memorial 15th at the WGC. And if you sort just by strokes gain T to green last week, fourth in the field behind Brooks, Ches Reevy and Justin Thomas, those guys played pretty well. Uh, I, I just think he gets no love. I mean, sixty nine hundred bucks. He he will be in a lot of my lives. He, uh, I agree. He was the first guy that I circled. It it helps that he's the first guy in the six <laughs> k range to come up, right? <laughs> so that helps. But he jumps off the page at you, and you would pay. I mean, I would pay seventy five hundred for him. He's that. He's been that good. He has this ability to get really close to the lead. I would not be surprised to see him in the final group on Sunday. It would not surprise me at all. His game fits the mold. He's 20th strokes gain off the tee for the year. You mentioned how great it's been recently. 27th tee to green for the year, and and he's played well consistently. Um, the Zozo Championship weather wasn't necessarily great. It wasn't balmy. It wasn't hot. He came in tenth there. The CJ Cup at Nine Bridges came in tied twelfth. These are tougher golf courses. Um, and then you go. I mean, tied fourth at the Sony. I guess that's a different. But the weather wasn't great at the Sony this year. It, it was, was kind bad. of blustery. And, well, Sunday was really bad. I don't remember what the rest of the week was like, but Sunday was brutal. So I, I feel like um, his game fits this style of play where the ball's heavy. He, he stays in his rhythm. He hits it plenty far. A, a great ball striker. I love Ryan Palmer this week. All right, who, who else here? I've got, like, I've got like one more guy I'm super interested in and then one guy I'm probably going to fade. Yeah, I got a guy here um, who I pick him all the time because he is way underpriced Can every week. Yeah, guess. Lucas Glover. Oh, no, he is oh. on my list, though. Okay. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's Joel Damon. I pick oh, yeah. him all the okay. time. He's, he's my favorite 6K guy to play. He always performs. He, I mean, the guy shot 58, right? He shot 65 this past week, and it could have been even better. He consistently um, – he's like a steady player with this ability to go low. I feel like he is always uh, – I don't know why he's priced where he is. He seems so, so good. And look at the stats. I mean, 24th off the tee for the year, 43rd approach the green, 30th tee to green these kind of things are going to be important in a week like this and he is a player who's building his confidence his confidence is growing he's starting to prove to himself that he can really compete 
out here on the PGA Tour, when you see a Friday and Saturday of 67-65, like he did last week in a WGC, that's the kind of stuff John Rahm does. That's the kind of stuff Rory McIlroy does. They're maybe not in immediate contention after a 72 in the first round, but they come and they put themselves in position on Sunday to where you're sniffing the lead. So uh, Joel Damon, to me, is, is growing his confidence, and the game is going to fit this style of play at Harding Park. One of, I think, the most exploitable aspects of the, of the pricing when it gets like this is there are guys in this specific range who are much, be- much, much better than their peers. And, and the guy that I'm looking at specifically is Lucas Glover. So I, I mentioned he's 6,700. He's yeah. the same price as Rafa Cabrera Bayo, JT Poston, Keegan Bradley, Juice Luton, Martin Keimer, and Siwoo Kim. I would argue Glover is one of the most mispriced golfers in this, in this tier here. Uh, because outside of the miscut at the 3M, he was – uh, he's been unstoppable in the in the restart. He has four top 25 finishes in his five other starts. And, oh, by the way, 16th at the PGA Championship last year. Didn't play it in 18. Played it in 17. Finished 33rd there. I mean, this is a guy who can get you to a week. At 6700 bucks. if he gets you to the weekend and finishes T28, he's done his job. He's one of the best ball strikers on the PGA Tour, and every tour player will say the same thing. I mean, they envy the way that he strikes it. And you think back to 2009. I know that's a decade ago, right? More than a decade ago now. But he won the U.S. Open at Bethpage. It was wet. The course played really long. The rough was thick. It was a challenging test of golf. It reminds me a little bit of Harding Park. Kyle made the point on Sunday where he kind of feels like this is going to be a little bit like a Bethpage Black. And um, and I feel the same way. And you're right. He's much better than his peers. You can scroll through the 6K range and there's not a lot of guys that you set that jump out at you. Lucas Glover is one of them and he's 6,700, right? So there's a great discount there. And I, I do think he's a great play. I want to give you one other guy. Sure. Um, one last player who this is a risk. It, it's a huge risk, but there's love, one I reason. I love him already. It. Right. Um, <laughs> we talked about him a couple weeks ago. It's Keith Mitchell. So okay. Keith Mitchell, he's 6,300. So that's the only reason I'm considering him because he's way, I mean, he's almost like a club pro at, at that price. Um, but he's won before at the Honda Classic, really difficult golf course. He beat Ricky Fowler and, uh, and Brooks Kepka, and he plays well when the courses are tough. Now, since the restart, his best finish is the Memorial, where he came in tied 22nd. Pretty much everywhere else, he's missed the cut. But he, he doesn't go really low. He doesn't know how to do that. But he can play really hard golf courses really well. Like, look, you look at his finishes. Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's one of the toughest tests of the year. He came in tied fifth. Um, and then you, I think back to the Honda Classic where he won. And those are really the two instances where he jumps out at me hard golf courses he can handle. And at that price, it may be a good buy. It may be a good risk to take. Obviously, extremely risky. The guy's missed, uh, I mean, he's missed nine cuts this year. He's made nine cuts. But I I talk about this too, Rick. What are you going to hang your hat on? He is a great driver of the golf ball. And he's a great putter too. So 30th strokes gain off the tee, 30th strokes gain putting for the year. These are two assets that I like in a major championship. If you can drive it and you can putt it, you have somewhat of a chance. Good, good recipe there. I have a PSA. Uh, there is a golfer at the Dead Men 6000 named Zach Johnson, and it is not that Zach Johnson. It is not 12-time PGA Tour winner, two-time major champion Zach Johnson. It is Zach 
Jay Johnson, who I believe is one of these pros, right? One of these PGA professionals. That's uh, right. The quote unquote real Zach Johnson is $6,500. Do not confuse the two. Although I wonder if I could get a Zach Johnson versus Zach Johnson head to head. Ooh, I like it. I would take the uh, future Hall of Famer, Zach Johnson. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but I want to see what the number is. <laughs> yeah, I've actually I, I've spoken to Zach J. Johnson before. A uh, wonderful player at the club level. I mean, you got to figure these guys, they work real jobs, right? They're, they are not professional golfers like future Hall of Famer, Zach Johnson. They are uh, they, they work at clubs. They take care of many of you who are members out there. They find the time to work on their game. And, uh, and it's great to see them get an opportunity to play in a, in a PGA championship. All right. We're going to root for Zach J Johnson this week, but we're not going to play him in our DraftKings lineups. And you can watch full coverage of the world's best players vying for the Wanamaker trophy in prime time. Oh man. Golf in prime time, baby on CBS from four to 10 PM Eastern on Saturday and Three to nine PM Eastern on Sunday. You can also stream it for free on the on CBSSports.com or the CBS Sports app on the desktop experience. How about this one, Greg? We will have live chatting throughout the weekend coverage, which uh, we're going to make a little appearance on. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the live chat. Get a little interaction, uh, and it's prime time. When's, so, when's the last time you were in a chat room? Um. <laughs> I think 1991, the year I was born. Uh, I'm thinking AOL was probably the last time. Uh, I was yeah, in I guess. But look, when when I was uh, in the AOL days, I was in probably middle school, and chat rooms were the place where uh, you got kidnapped. Right? Yes. So you yes. were never allowed in chat rooms. They're kind of a, a mysterious place. But this one is not a dark place. This is going to be a really fun place, <laughs> an extremely positive environment uh, with no, you know. No mischief going on. So it's going to be pure golf, pure excitement about this great championship. That's exactly right. I should not have brought up the chat. It'll be great. It'll be great. Join <laughs> yeah. us. Uh, <laughs> we'll just end this there. Uh, let me thank you, Greg, for joining me. You can find Greg on Twitter at the Real GFD. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.